0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: We are the UR Tennis Network. Our mission is to be the voice of tennis. We enlist a team of passionate enthusiasts to promote our sport. We strive to bring interesting perspectives on the many spins of tennis. Our goal is to provide the learners of our sport with current news and information from many angles. We seek active participation from communities interested in tennis, but tennis is not interested in them. We are expanding our outreach. Tennis is a true lifetime sport that needs to be talked about. And the UR Tennis Network pledges to pursue this idea relentlessly.
0: time to get in the game. Good morning and hello once again. This is Coach Chuck Creasy. It's another week of
2: American Tennis. Every Wednesday at noon on the UR Tennis Network and the Week Coach Tennis Network. And thanks to J.P. Weber, the... uh, Director of the We Coach Tennis uh, program, uh, websites, and everything he does. We Coach Tennis, over 3,000 listeners I think he has and, and uh, people that follow the We Coach Tennis uh, blog site. Thank you, Lisa Stone, for your, gosh, you're in the your fifth year as well. This is our fifth year on American Tennis. Lisa Stone with her Parenting Aces program on Tuesday. John Denise with his program on Thursdays. At 5.30, I believe, 5.30 Eastern Time, but this is American Tennis. We're in our fifth year, and uh, golly, I'm just so grateful to uh, Jason Haynes for setting up the uh, Your Tennis Network and all that he has done, so uh, hats off there to Jason Haynes, and uh, thank you if you're listening, Jason, for all that all that you have done. Each week on American Tennis, we have uh, either a guest or we sometimes have uh, our instructional series, which we have partly today, and then you always have my commentary. Uh, That's one good thing. I'm very happy to be able to put these programs in the archives, and I always think about my children being able to listen to them one day when I'm dead and gone, or uh, over the hill, or where you sort of roll out of relevance, I guess. And, uh, we all sort of fear that, I guess it is really a funny and funny situation these days, isn't it? Uh, information is sort of like uh, water at coming out of a fire hose and finding the right information is like drinking the right water out of the fire hose. Isn't it? It's, it's really, really interesting trying to dig up and, and find things that, um, Not just interest you, but things: uh, what's true, what's not, uh, what's relevant, what's not. How much is wasted time? What's not? Uh, Discernment, d-i-s-c-e-r-n-m-e-n-t, is the gift. My my mother always told me, son, pray for discernment every day of your life, so that maybe God can give you uh, the insight to see what the truth is underneath. And we have a funny, funny world with so much information. We have the fake book, oh, sorry, Facebook, fake book, whatever. You, you can sort of present uh, anything you want. A lot of interesting stuff out there, but boy, there sure is a lot of junk. But uh, this week on American Tennis, we have an instructional program. Now, I want to tell you folks in a couple of weeks, we're going to have a call in program starting where we're going to be, uh, it's going to be Ask the Coach, and we're going to be talking uh, about issues that you want to talk about and we're going to be uh, basically the people who call in. Uh, we're going to have, it's more than just an open line, but it'll be sort of the coaches, uh, coaches call-in show or the player call-in show, and it's going to be just the Ask the Coach program. So we'll see how that comes along, but that's coming up here in a couple weeks to a month, so look forward to that. If you'd like to call in, Seri code 714583-6853. 714583-6853. This is American Tennis. Go uh, send me an email at Chuck at CoachCreasy if you'd like anything discussed or if you have comments. Also, my website is chuckcreasy.net uh, www.chuckcreese.net. Keep up with my camps, my books, my writings, and some of the things that I'm doing. So, folks, this last week, golly, a lot of sporting events going on. U.S. Open was over, and uh, professional tennis was not much going on, but I sure watch the sporting events. I watched the pro football. I watched the college football. I watched baseball, MLB, my son, every night. MLB, Papa, MLB. So I watched a lot of pro baseball. I watched his baseball games. I watched my daughter's swim meets. I watched a junior tennis tournament here so very well run uh, by gosh Jonathan Barth and Toby Simpson did a fantastic job here in the state of South Carolina for the South Carolina uh, Junior Open here held at the Citadel um, this past week they did a real nice job and you know what was great um, you know they ran the thing off in three days and uh, they had a couple sites yeah and they had a lot of entrance but But they did not bastardize the scoring system after. Well, up to the quarterfinals, they said they had to play that doggone uh, no uh, tiebreaker thing. They played regular scoring with tiebreaker for the third. But from the quarterfinals on, all the age divisions they played full third sets. And would you believe some of the kids were asking? (laughs) And here's the bad thing, folks. It's like the boiling frog, or the boiling lobsters, or whatever. You know, you know the analogy—the one that they use all the time about turning the heat up a little bit at a time. How they bleed things in, whether it's our government bleeding rules, regulation, or taxes and things, but the USTA bleeding in this. No ad scoring and bleeding in these ten point tiebreakers into junior tennis, and it doesn't matter if people hate them. It doesn't matter what people think. It is compl- basically they have an agenda to get this stuff in over the next four or five years, and already some of these kids were going, "Wow, oh, we have to play a, a full set for the for the match." Well, yeah, that's where all the learning happens, there, kids. That's where tennis matters. It's not about this 10 point tiebreaker deal or these other bastardized scoring systems. Well, let's call them double A scoring, asterisk abbreviated. How's that? We need to put an asterisk. If your son, your daughter, if you're a player, if you win a 10 point tiebreaker, uh, or if you lose it, we need to have an asterisk because it is really not a full match. It's not really tennis. And these guys, 142 years, folks, 142 years. And these guys all of a sudden have gotten smart. And you know why they've gotten smart? They get these consultants. I went down to USTA meeting uh, about a year ago and uh, they brought out all their consultant packages, their consultants. They put these guys on the stage, and some of them had never coached tennis, but some of them had played. It was it, uh, one or two of them had PhDs and things, and they've got these theories about why things will work. Well, those coaches have coached for fifteen or twenty years, or over forty, like myself, forty-six years. We were. Uh, uh, it, it wasn't laughable. It was, it was quite sad. And here is the why, reason they get these consultants. They get the consultants because, if think about it, if you're an officer in the USTA or something, you get a consultant, or the ITA, you get a consultant, and then if they screw it up, well, our consultant messed up. There's no uh, accountability there. And then if it goes, well, well, hey, we, we had the plant. So it's, it's really, really a, a crummy way of doing things. But I don't know why they have these guys. But they're the ones that are pushing for this abbreviated scoring, tennis not being so long. And, and I don't want to talk too much about this because I want to get on with our program today. But can you believe one of the youngsters I was watching play had a 10-point tiebreaker for the third set do you believe after every six points when they cross sides, do you believe they sat out and took a break? I mean, it, that was laughable. And, uh, you know, the coaching after the second set, three minutes coaching, uh, parents were running out there and trying to get their kids, telling them what to do. And, I, I mean, we, we really, uh, after watching baseball, my son's baseball, my daughter's swimming, after watching tennis, I was not inspired, except for those matches that got down and dirty and got tough at the end. You know, my son's baseball was the most competitive of everything, and I wasn't at. Of course, the MLB, there's a lot of drama now because the, we're getting ready for the pennant races and the playoffs, and you know, but look, let's face it, pro football is entertainment. It's, there's not enough drama unless you love the teams. It's entertainment. It's a way to kill a Sunday afternoon. i tell you, college football now still has a lot of passion because your team is out there playing, but it's pushing the edge of the envelope to go entertainment-driven instead of education-driven. Best, the best events, of course, were, I guess, maybe it because it was my kids. My youngster playing uh, baseball played four games, two days. One of them was back-to-back. The first day they were back-to-back. And uh, they go play the games. Folks, they go play the games. A lot of hours on the baseball uh, diamond, playing the games, competing. There was drama. Oh, my gosh, do Little League parents get intense. They're intense in a different way than tennis parents. Uh, They they cheer for their teams, and it gets tough. But uh, lots, lots, lots of fun there with that. My daughter's swim meets, of course, it's pretty cool to watch these kids. They train, and and you know what? For high school, boy, are these kids in good shape from all that swimming. I just love it for what it is. What I didn't like was the high school swim meets was they didn't have a scoreboard with the running score. The kids went and did their events. They were timing their events. That was the big thing. So it, it lost some of the drama, but I sure am proud of what my daughter's doing. But I don't know. I, I'm really upset with tennis. I've got my uh my other daughter practicing tennis a couple days a week. I got my son hitting a few balls. My oldest daughter's the swimmer, consistent, she can make balls, is not in love with tennis. She's uh I I know that her strokes are good enough to do it. So a lot of sports, a lot of sports. And I look I I wanna go through this really quick. Um I talked to the director here, and by the way, Jonathan Barth said he would be on a program next week. He is in charge of South Carolina uh, competitive tennis, and he's, he's doing really, really well. This guy is sharp. He's on the ball. He delivers messages without delivering blows. He's a, he's a great number two guy. I'm not saying he can't be a number one guy, but he's great as far as getting people to meet together and figure it out. And he's um, he's got a good vision about stuff, but he's a good manager. I it's, You know, leadership, I haven't seen him enough, but but wow, what a great manager of things. But we talked a lot, and I said, here are my five things, Jonathan, five things that we need to do. I wish the USTA would do, and I know some of you USTA guys listen to this because I put it up on my Facebook, and I know you, some of you guys are on there. But please listen to me. I mean, in, in, in this, if you will talk to any of the coaches out there who have been in the arena long enough, they'll tell you this is what needs to happen. At the very, to cut through the chase instead of addressing all the symptoms, here are the causes why we are floundering. And uh, you know, all those people that you propped up in that red, orange, green stuff, especially Red Ball. Now I guess is dead. But they, you know, all these people were uh, token memberships, and they they propped up the numbers, and now they're scrambling again because they're losing they're losing the hardcore tennis players. They haven't lost me yet. I'm in there. Um, you know, we've got coaches like Coach J.P. Weber, coaches. You know, the all those people that have loved tennis for all these years, they're going to be in there. But, boy, it's a strain sometimes. But here's what you need, guys really need to do. First of all, number one, separate participation versus performance. You've got this wrong. The consultants, again, you're consultants. Listen, guys, I'll consult for you for a heck of a lot less, and you're paying those guys. And you know what? I know more than they do. These guys with the Ph.D., the piled highs and dries. I, I, I'm pretty close to having mine. If that's what I, that's what I need, I ought to go back and get it. But I got 46 years, and so do the people like the Wayne Bryan's, you know, and, and, the, and the J.P. Weber, and we, the people who really have been out there on the battlefield, know this: that you do not promote excellence through participation. You must. Get participation and performance, high performance, spread out of there. Do it on your website, and you must let people know if they are going to play a prime event of participation. Look, participation events are like your leagues, your entry levels, your novice levels. But when you're talking about tournaments for rankings, college events, and things that are leading you to hopefully a professional career Uh, guys guys you don't bastardize scoring system you don't dumb it down you don't make it shorter you stretch the people excellence will breed performance performance excellence will breed performance and participation participation these leagues these entry levels all that stuff that's fine. There was a time I played in the CYO, Catholic Youth Organization Tournaments, and we played the Little Sisters of the Poor, and we had Boy Scout Jamboree events where we played little outings in tennis, and that's fine. You do abbreviated scoring. But these participation look, participation events and high performance or excellence need to be separated. God, why, why don't you guys just do that? Figure that out, and I know exactly why. Because every tennis player thinks they're on their way to Wimbledon. Even these 3.5 women's leagues and men's leagues, yeah, they're competitive, but they're competitive. <laughs> they're not going anywhere. These are They're just blowing off some steam you know, through their uh, participation uh, competition that they have. And yeah, it's like me playing a pickup basketball game on the weekend or something or playing in a golf outing. But it's it's basically that's where – it's like playing Captain's Choice in golf, guys. USTA, Captain's Choice in golf, that's what NOAD scoring is, and that's what this daggone 10-point tiebreaker is. Don't do Captain's Choice for college events. That's what we're doing. Don't do don't do do not captain's choice for somebody who's 14 years old and needs to play out the third set. So, number one, separate these and our junior. Number two, dump the point systems, guys. Come on, it's crippling everybody. Now, they're, they're, listen, parents might see some relevance because they know how to add up the scores. Kids don't play for points. They play for... <coughs> The competition of rivalries. If if a youngster who's competitive loses to somebody, they'll wait a year to get to play the same person again. As a matter of fact, that's what used to happen. Now they duck people in the back draws. You know how many people pull out of back draws just because of this silly point system? It's okay for again participation events or for the pros. It does not work to inspire kids. It works in the pros because, they look, they make a lot of money. They're playing for money. Some of those guys are, are not as competitive as they need to be. They are, some of them camp out after they get to 40 in the world, and they don't care about getting any higher. That's the fact. I've been coaching long enough to know that they pull the plug. You know, if, if, Look, we have a lot of kids that pull the plug when they get to a certain level because they get – Sort of. The minute you put money into the situation, people get the golden handcuffs on themselves and they bag it. But we gotta dump the point system. Rivalries and tournaments of heritage, what these are what inspire. We must inspire our kids to want to play. Number three, let's let coaches back on those committees and make decisions. Dump Guys, you guys out there, dump these consultants. What are you doing? The marketeers and the consultants. Look, have, look. I'm challenging you, USTA guys. These consultant guys, they have a lot of theories and they've got some things. But you know what? They haven't got common sense, one, about, about what's going on with our kids. If they're doing such a good job. Where are the results? Don't, prop, don't tell me we've got all these 10-and-under kids playing because these kids pick it up and drop it like a weekend bowling outing. They pick it up and drop it like a softball game at a picnic on Sunday. They pick it up and drop it like riding a skateboard two afternoons a week and, and nowhere to go with it. You know, it, it, we need to get the hook in the mouth. So let's let parent, coaches make decisions – on the competition. Number four, let's reestablish bottom to up strength. Bottom up strength in your organization. USTA dump the top down management. Top down management, you are crippling everybody, all of your all of your volunteers, all of your parents out there, all of the people that used to be empowered, you're crippling by overregulation, okay, too many rules, too much. You cost too much. I mean, you, you, guys, guys. You know, I've brought this up before. Sixty-five dollars I paid for twenty-six baseball games the entire season for my son in his little league, and with the travel ball, he, we might pay four or five hundred dollars for the extra twenty-five excellent games he gets and five weekends. Maybe we play the hundred dollars a weekend for it. I, I don't, it's it's ridiculous, ridiculous how much these tennis tournaments cost, how much the training cost, how much the travel cost, how much the hotels cost, how much the food cost, how much the coaching. And we've got people out there coaching and overcharging for their services. It's 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 just really unbelievable. So look we need to reestablish bottom up strength, not top down over regulation and management, you guys look. You follow Europe's lead. Hey, Europe's going going down the pot in a hurry. They're going down sports wise. They're going down uh, politically, socially. That, that hey, that is a failing organization. That whole whole Europe thing over there. Socialism will not work. It's never worked. It never works because sooner or later, like Margaret Thatcher said, you run out of other people's money with socialism. Well, sooner or later, you run out of other people's effort. People stop giving their effort. People stop wanting to put their heart and their soul into something that doesn't matter. This has got, you've got to inspire, and it's got to be a passionate endeavor. Last, we've got to allow kids to fail. We, our kids, don't, we don't allow them to fail. We've, we've got to start, stop giving out trophies for everything. We've got to allow kids to be one and done sometimes. Look, with Jonathan Barth, I talked to him. I said, Jonathan, be real simple. We just got a separation performance, uh, you know, with participation. You dump the point system. You know, hey, look, Jonathan, I said, we need to do this. Singles in a tournament needs to be the first top priority. Main draw singles, play full matches. Second thing has to be doubles tournaments. If you can't play full matches in semis and finals anyway. Look, you can play the pro sets, but do two rounds out of the blocks on a Friday late afternoon. Play one of the one of the rounds. Play the first round on Saturday morning. Doubles now. You're out. You've got three-fourths of the draw has been eliminated. But you play... You play singles are the top priority, dead doubles. Look, the consolation stuff, all the kids are defaulting. They're bagging it. They don't see the relevance in it. It's pathetic. The, the Three years ago, 53 kids pulled out of the back draw at Kalamazoo. More than that probably this year. I counted them that year. I should have counted them this year too. But this week in this very good tournament, we had so many defaults. These kids bag it. Because they're not afraid of consequences of losing to people. We have devalued rivalries. Look, people play because they they get Look, as a coach for 46 years, I know this for a fact. The kids only win to the level they cannot stand losing down to. And when kids can tolerate losing, and when losing is not embarrassing to them, you you know, and when we protect the kids from the pain of losing, you just strip that kid of his, of his uh, heart, basically, the reason he wants to win, the reason he wants to play. Look, I know that, and my, my daughter swimming. She's got a little rivalry going with another 12-year-old girl, and they both express it in different ways. Both of them made the high school team as seventh graders. Pretty darn cool, pretty darn cool. cool. But my daughter comes home and wants to figure out, Why the heck is she getting beat by this other little girl? And the other little girl's competitive. And it's pretty cool to watch this. But people are naturally competitive. Americans are competitive. We're not. I I just dislike the socialist top down management so much because it de emphasizes enthusiasm, energy, and the passion to compete. To compete. We've got to allow our kids to fail. But we've got to uh, – I told Jonathan just those three things. You have singles, doubles, consolations. Throw together whatever you want to. Put the first-round losers out there. You know, Or send the first-round losers home. They dislike losing enough, they'll practice harder. Basically, that's what it takes. We thought it was going to uh, end up being a great step for more participation. It's done just the opposite. But the point system is what what's done that. So those five things very, very quickly. I'll go to commercial. Uh, separate participation performance. Dump the point system. Hey, let the coaches. Number three, let the coaches make competitive decisions. Get rid of these consultants, guys. Reestablish bottom-up strength. Dump socialism uh, for, from your top-down management, guys. That socialist agenda. It will not work. It's never worked. Then allow our kids to fail. I'm going to a commercial. Dagon, I'm getting worked up here. We will be right back. Listen to Rocky and get fired up.
0: Coach JP Weber of the We Coach Tennis Radio Show. In my 30 years' experience in coaching tennis, I've never seen a better tennis training situation for children than Coach Creasy's total tennis training camps. Chuck Creasy has coached them and trained them in every arena from juniors to collegiate to professional tennis, and over 15,000 children have improved their games at his summer tennis camps. Find out more at chuckcreasy.net. That's chuckcreasy.net. Oh
2: Crying this week uh, and at the Tournament after he lost I said son Exactly what I told my son after my own son After baseball game I said to him son This pain you're feeling would you Rather have this or not play He goes I want To play coach I said Okay which one would you rather have Not play and not feel this "Mm, No I want To play coach I said well look if you give your best If you care, if you dare, pressure and pain will always be there. And uh, that's the deal. You give everything. You give your heart. If you win, it's great. It's a good good. If you give your heart and lose, that's a good bad. If you don't give your heart and win, that's a participation trophy. Why don't you guys understand that? Do not give stuff to people who have not earned it. And those bad goods participation trophy turn to bad bads. So my son's playing this baseball tournament this weekend, and uh, I'm not going to let him listen to this, so i, I got to tell you the inside story. So uh, he, they finished uh, they're playing the championship game, and, They played not to lose, they played tight, they didn't have any fire in the belly, they were sort of hanging out, hoping the other team would go away, and the other team got tougher and tougher, and the other team won, so they get their trophies afterwards, second places, it's not that it was a second place, so they take the pictures and everything, and my son comes over, and I watched 10 kids go out of that dugout, and four of them didn't seem like It hurt him too bad. Four of them, a little concerned, but my son and this other boy were just, my son was just crying. And, you know, I I said, no, there's no crying in baseball. But, But, you know, he's 11, so he's hurting. And I said, what's the matter? He said, Papa, we didn't fight. We didn't fight, Papa. Papa, we didn't fight. I said, son, why didn't you fight? He said, we were scared. Well, son, what do you think? He said, I'm I'm embarrassed, Papa. I wish we would have fought. And I said, Son, I said, Well, you can learn from this, can't you? He said, Yeah, yeah. And he looked at the trophy. He says, I hate this and my wife goes, Well, throw it away if you don't want it. My son takes the trophy over and throws it in the trash can, age eleven. Folks. As a father, I am jumping up and down inside. He walks away, does not even look back. He walks out to the parking lot with my wife. Now, she's taught him from day one not to take participation trophies or certificates. I've seen him give the trophy back to coaches. He understood right away. A lot of kids are trying to line up their shelves with trophies. You know, hey, I'm successful. He gets it, so... And I won't tell him this, but I I don't listen. But, son, if you're listening this sometime, do not listen. I went and dug the trophy out of that old dirty trash can. There were Coke cans, and there was daggone potato chip wrappers, and there was candy bars, goo all over the place, bubble gum. Who knows what? I think there was a baby diaper in there too, son. I reached down and I got that second place trophy and I hit it in a favorite place of mine in my man cave at home. And I have got this trophy. That's Papa's trophy for his son doing the right thing. I am so happy with my son and I'll tell him one day and I'll give it to him one day. But I, that was better than him winning the Dagon championship because he gets it. I asked him later, son, what what'd you get out of today? He said, Papa, we got a bad, bad. We didn't give our best and we lost. I said, Well, you got a trophy. Was well, that? Oh, that Papa, that would have been a bad good. <laughs> so, pretty cool. <laughs> All right, listen. Two, uh, there's. We got to talk about these thirteen uh, checkpoints. I've only got a. Oh, let's see what I've got to do this. I got about twenty minutes or something, but. Folks, really quick, our program today, after all of my stuff here, I'm, I've been up since 5 a.m. We had an early morning workout, and uh, the guys, I tell you what, I coach a group of guys that do not get participation trophy. I'm at the Citadel Military School in South Carolina. It's awesome, you know, that the kids, they only go forward through things that they earn through merit or through time there are no participation trophies it is beautiful how they break them down and then build them up everybody's afraid oh breaking them down breaking them down they do it masterfully they have done it for a hundred and seventy two years since 1842. 174 years 174 years they've done it masterfully these guys it's special today i talked and i said guys it's uh Feelings don't matter. The beautiful thing here, it's not about your feelings, it's about doing the right thing. Eventually, I said, You know, your feelings are like a thermometer that go up and down according to the changing weather. But your thermostat is what you think and what you do. You set the thermostat, and then eventually that thermometer goes where you want it to go. Think of how ridiculous we are with I want to be happy, I want everything to be fair. I want my feelings I feel this way well when you do that you're letting the thermometer set your thermostat you need to it's it's what you it's what you okay what you see what you feel what you think and what you do if you have feelings go first if you have the feelings first well then you're we're in trouble aren't we I'm not saying feelings aren't a good thing. Sometimes they're tough things at times, but we've got a decision to think right and to do right on a tennis court. So my guys are out this morning, <coughs> excuse me at five, five thirty in the morning. We have a heck of a workout. We work on volleys and, in hand hands work for doubles, just volley, volley, volley. They hit 500 volleys in an hour. It's cool. And, uh, we get that done, and uh, so I got a coaching buzz here this morning. I'll probably hit a wall a little bit, but I want to go over these participation level versus performance level versus high performance level, and want to want to make sure that you're doing, checking on these right things with your youngsters, or if you're a youngster, understand that you've got to do different levels of progression. If you don't, you'll get log jammed with the 12-and-under or 14 under game. You've got to do the right thing so that you advance the ball and get better all the time. You know, Coach Mike Springelmeyer who was a good friend of mine, a great player in his right. He played three U.S. Opens back in the 60s, I believe. Um, Anyhow, yeah, his son was national player of the year for me at Clemson, Mitch Springelmeyer. But Mike, uh, very just a very, very good statement. He says, the problem with setting a plan – of how to go forward and how you do it is that people don't know the two most important things in taking a trip, and those two things are what? And he'll ask the guys, and they'll say, know where you're going. Well, okay, you know where you're going. What do you want to do? I want to be a pro. I want to be top 50 in the world. Oh, I want to be number one of on my team. Oh, I want to be number one at the at the Boy Scouts of America event we have this year. I want to win. That everybody has knows where they're going. He said, "What's the other thing?" And it's amazing. About one out of five kids will say, "Well, you got to know where you're at. If you want to take a trip to Indianapolis, you got to know that I am in Atlanta, and I want to take the journey to Indianapolis, and I've got to plan my trip." With your tennis career, you say, "I want to go be a uh, number one on a college team." Well, do you really? good now the other most important thing is do you know where you're at most kids don't know where they're at they don't want to know where they're at there's not and i've mentioned this before what i love about swimming is that my daughter always knows where she's at she finished first in the heat and it was four seconds off her best she finished last in the heat one time and it was her best time ever but she measured herself by an accurate barometer. And the same thing, I guess, would be true with track and field. Listen, golf has a lot of funny things happen. But pretty much people get consistent in knowing about what their handicap is and where they are. But tennis, we, we really, the hardest thing is we usually use opponent to, to sort of say, hey, that's how good I am. I won the tournament. Well, three people pulled out because they were too hot to play, and then one person had an emotional crying fit on the court and couldn't make balls. And then, by the way, this last guy, uh, this last guy, you know, in, in the point being is, is it's, it's not an accurate barometer. A lot of times we don't know where we're at. So I'm constantly trying to get the guys to identify where they're at. Now, it's good sometimes you can't see yourself play. You only feel yourself play. Some of the players I've had had such bad strokes, if they'd seen themselves play, they would have quit the game. On the other hand, I've had players that were had beautiful games, and you wonder, why didn't they get a lot better? Sometimes you'll see players play for 10 years, and you'll go, whoa, why didn't they get better? They still got a 12-and-under game. So here's what I've lined up. I've lined up my uh, 13 steps for really what a youngster needs to look at when they're in different levels. Uh, first of all, participation level. At a participation level, I've got step one, two, three, four. Step one is, look, work on the lower body kinetics that I teach at Richard Cornick. It's on richardcornick.com Richard Kornick Tennis. Um, but over to learn the shadow drills whether you're in a mirror, but, you know, the other day I walked and I was showing my son, do you ever practice with the shadow out here on the court or on the baseball field? He said, no. I said, do you ever practice in front of a mirror with your baseball swing? No. Most of the kids don't do this. But now we have video equipment. In the old days I used to use the shadow. I would walk home from tennis courts about an hour, practice my swing all the way home. Or you use a mirror and you practice and practice. But the lower body kinetics with your stroke, I have a uh, program that I do. And, gosh, guys, I, I really want to, need to try to probably get that on the Internet. But we practice the stroke without a ball. How we call that? How, how about doing that? Step two, you do drop feeds with youngsters. And I do them in different locations. I do them, I call it uh, neutral and wide on the forehand, neutral, and wide, which are open stance, both of them, on the forehand and the backhand. Then they'll do a defense uh, move on the forehand, defense move on the backhand side. They'll do an offense move with the forehand side, offense move on the backhand side, and they'll do cross-court to cross-court move and a cross-court to cross-court on both sides. But basically there's ten different positions. I want them perfect movement to the ball and good recovery steps over and over and over and over. And I do this with my varsity players every day so that they do it to where it's automatic, automatic. They don't have to think about it. I was explaining to a youngster, actually, I've got a kid coming out. He's only played tennis for about a year. Love working with the guys. got a heart as big as the house. But I was explaining to him that, look, at first you're uh, unconsciously incompetent. You don't know what you don't know. You don't know how bad you are. You don't know how good you are. You just don't know. And then secondly, you become consciously incompetent. You, oh, I can't do that. i got to learn how to do that, that stage. And then you become consciously competent. You can do it, but you got to think about it. Then you become unconsciously competent, or you get automatic with your stroke. You know, years ago, I was trying to learn how to get good at golf, and, and I got down to 11 handicap or something. I was playing a lot. It was. Uh, I had time on my hands because I'd been through a divorce and man I was lo- not just lonesome but sad and depressed and all those things you go through and I had four or five years where I played a lot of golf and uh, daggone it I went out to the pro one day and I said do you think I could ever be a scratch golfer and and you know this is really a great statement he meant. He said coach he said, you started a little bit late in life to not think about your swing while you're standing over the ball. that's about – so, yeah, I've become all the golf I've played in the past 30 years since that time, 30 years ago. You know, I'm still consciously competent. I can do it, but I have to think about it. That's the advantage of starting young. But the lower body kinetics without a ball, then drop feeds with a ball. Then you do dead ball feeds to those same 10 locations. In other words – You feed kids the ball, and you get good at the fed balls. Then you do live ball drills, live ball drills with another opponent, and you can do some overload training where you do two-on-ones and things like that. Now, look, at the participation levels, these will bring the kids along very, very well. So those four things. Now, when you get sort of to the performance level, sort of you're a tweener, you're in that participation mode and you know you've been playing the c y o tournaments and little sisters the poor tournaments and the league those sorry guys the three point five leagues and the, those things that uh, the weekend warriors we i probably' am a weekend warrior myself right now I'm not running so well uh but the point being is that at the you're sort of a tweener so what you look for after uh those four stages: the lower body kinetics. The, you know, you do the drop feeds, the dead ball feeds, and the live ball drills. You go to shot selection excellence. You need to you use the Wardlaw directionals, the Van Gelderen three-dimensional tennis, are you sh- basically you learn the patterns of the four different patterns. What do you do with a cross court ball? Cross court to cross court. When do you go down the line to cross court, an outside ball, inside ball, and then a 90-degree change of direction is cross court to down the line. That's from Wardlaw's Directionals. When to use your inside off forehand, when to pull the ball, when to do an inside in. Those things, the shot selection excellence is next. Look, you've got to bump up step six. You've got to bump up the overload and the tempo training after that. You know, the coach feeding, the two-on-ones, the Harry Hopman drills. The Australian two-on-ones, why are they good? They are overload training. Two people can really put pressure on one person much faster than one can put on one. I remember I worked for Mr. Hopman for a little over a year, about a year and a couple months. and, And my golly, I would have never been tennis if I had not worked for him. He really 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 preached showed and he demanded excellence out of everybody but he made it tennis a very athletic endeavor and i myself being a high school and college basketball player one year growing up in indiana i just really really started loving tennis after i saw what mr hopman did nobody could be madder when he would come on a court and get on us for one-on-one training he he made us do two on one training overload 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 weapon development is step number 7 okay so step number 7 is weapon development so in the participation to tweener levels you got shot selection excellence overload and temple training and then weapon development look the weapon development the last thing my players do before they go home every day They work on weapons. That means offense, defense drills with their forehand, big forehand drills. One person plays defense in the corner, throws balls back. The other guy tags forehands, let them bounce. And tags forehands that we do up and back drills for closing out points. Now, higher performance levels, the third category. So we've had seven out of 13 13, um, steps action steps talked about here again first lower body kinetics then drop feeds then dead ball feeds then live ball feeds with the tempo training shot selection excellence overload tempo training weapon development now number eight number eight a little bit more in-depth momentum control and tactical development Understanding about match flow and making good decisions on the court, the tactics. Before now, we were just hitting the ball and running for the ball, and we learned how to hit it and where to hit it. Now we're learning when to do what, the when part, when to do what. Emotional toughness is step nine. Those skill sets for emotional toughness. The emotions control the mind, the mind, and the emotions control the body. In practice, we work on the body first, the physical part, then it goes. We know how to, what we're trying to do with the shot selection and things, but the emotional part puts it all together. The physical, the mental, and the emotional. Every, my, all my books in tennis start with this premise, and they uh, highlight that at first the learning part, the learning part of the structure part of your game you do the physical part your body does that and then your mind learns what to do with the physical part so the how and then the when then the, then the where but the when part is the momentum control and match flow basics and then the emotional part is the why how where when why in tennis how the body where, where do we hit the balls what do we do our recover, And where do we recover to and those things when when do we do what when do we attack when do we use quick pressure tactics delayed pressure tactics when do we need a long grinding point the why the why answers it all our long term motivation but also the Emotional toughness on the court has to do with um, more than the why. It's just uh, about being clutch. And so that's step nine. Step 10 here, this is big competitive day excellence through honoring the game. And the game will honor you. Now, the finishing touch are these the finishing the journey. For our junior players, scheduling is number 11. I cannot tell you how many careers I've seen dismantled by poor scheduling. Go back to chuckcreasy.net and look at some of my old programs on American Tennis Radio, and we have whole programs dedicated to scheduling. Folks, scheduling is an art. It is a movable puzzle. It's something you should plan for a year in advance. And then it's a movable puzzle. But do not knee-jerk schedule when your youngster wins or when they lose. Don't get caught into the traps of looking at the long-term growth. Believe me, I feel your anxieties. I feel what you're feeling. I have children of my own who are young now playing sports. Boy, I want to move my son along too fast it is baseball. I want to get him up to the next level. Next level. next. We all know that I'm making him, I shouldn't say make. How bad is that for a parent to say I'm making? Oh, my golly, that's my coaching, kicking in, my team coaching, where I do make the players do something. But my son, I am encouraging him and explaining to him, and, yes, he's going to play some rec ball and travel ball both. So he's basically going to get the lower level and the level that is hit level and the above. So below, even, and above. Guys, in, in tennis tournaments, we've been over this in the scheduling part of my programs. It's a third, a third, a third. A third of the time you schedule below. Your youngster must carry trophies home. The champions are runner-up if they're good goods and good bads. Must, they, they, a lot of kids – I ask kids, when's the last time you won a tournament? Oh, I've never won a tournament, but I want to play up in the next age division. Uh, okay, when's the last time you? Won? I won a tournament 18 months. That's not good enough. I try to encourage tur- kids to win three or f- they should be winning three or four tournaments a year. Three or four tournaments. If they play 16 to 18 tournaments, they need to be playing winning three or four tournaments a year. Are they over scheduling? I don't care if it is the little sisters, the poor. Hey, I still have my CYO t- trophies from uh city of Indianapolis, CYO in 1964, 65, 66. I played those CYO tournaments every year. And uh, you know what? I, I, I This is bragging about my tennis. But I had a golden match in the finals of one of the tournaments. I won 0-0. And I didn't lose a point. I won 48 straight points. And that's the only time in my life I should have had something written or done something about that. But I had a golden match one time against a very, very good athlete who played on a football, high school football team. But I was 17 and getting ready to go to college. And the kid was a good competitor. (laughs) But I was so locked in. That was was pretty... uh, Anyhow, look, I still got the trophy. That's the point. I'm going to go back and discuss that stuff. I was okay college player. I wasn't anything special. I was more of an athlete who played tennis than a tennis player. But uh, anyhow, the scheduling is critical. Number 12, the third, a third, a third on the scheduling, guys. Go back listen to my program on scheduling. All right, this is just a couple tidbits of information. Look, winning should never go to the head. Losing should never go to the heart. Evaluate the match afterwards with the youngster. They should evaluate and keep a journal. I have kids keep journals. I tell them to write down after their losses what happened just so they name it, claim it, and tame it. They don't name it, claim it, blame it. But it's real important to analyze a little bit 30 minutes later and and to do this. Now, here's, here's step number 13. You mentor somebody else. Thirteen, and the most important part, folks, kids, players, parents, your youngster should mentor another youngster about playing tennis and help them to fall in love with the game of tennis. You know, you basically see how to do it, you learn how to do it, and you teach how to do it, and then you know how to do it. That's the deal on this sport. Very quickly, I'm going back on all 13. Here we go. I only got a couple minutes. I got to go quickly. On the participation level, remember lower body kinetics, shadow drills without a ball, then drop feeds with a ball into 10 different locations. Then you do dead ball feeds into 10 different locations. Then you do live ball drills, and you just start overloading a little bit and getting the kids to play a little faster than they're comfortable with. Then the participation, the tweener level, between participation and performance, you start doing the shot selection. Use the Wardlaw Directionals. is the best. Go there look up the Wardlaw Directionals on YouTube and learn about outside, inside, 90-degree change of direction balls or combination one, two, and fours, as I call them, one, twos, and fours, and learn when to use them, shot selection. Then you do overload and tempo training. I do tempo training, get the kids to play faster, harder, two-on-ones, Harry Hopman drills. Then weapon development, work on weapons, first exchange efficiency, develop a good
0: serve,
2: but learn how to finish a point with a real good forehand or with your volley, up-and-back volley smash drills. Number eight, when you get to performance level, learn about momentum control. And my book is about the – I've seen one other place in the whole world that's written about momentum control. Go get my book, Total Tennis Training, is the old book, Coaching Tennis, you can still get it on Amazon. Chapter, chapter 12, I believe, is on momentum control. I've worked since 1979 on momentum control. What to do when. Emotional toughness training is step nine, and that is, look, it's the how, where, when, and why. Why, why you play the game is more important than how you play it and what you do when you're playing You need to know why. You need to have a vision. It might just be to have fun, or it might be trying to win Wimbledon, but have a vision, youngsters. You know, an emotional training is real important, too, about learning how to be clutch and keeping a balance of, tough, you know, get the 16-second cure, Dr. Jim Lair, from about 30 years ago. That's about the best thing out there for what to do between points with that emotional toughness part. Then the maximum growth or honoring the game, learning. You get maximum growth when you realize it's not the Chuck show, Coach Chuck show. It's not the Billy show. It's not the Joe show. It's not the Susie show. It's not the Betty show. It's not the Matilda show. It is the game of tennis, and if you honor it, it will honor you. And if you you treat the opponent with respect and honor the game, you will play your best. That's really important to learn. Finishing the journey. Scheduling, folks, go back and listen to my show on scheduling. Winning, how to evaluate wins and losses. Learning how to have a loss go to your head for learning. Wins go to your heart for confidence. Don't let it be the other way around where your winning goes to your head and losing goes to your heart. That's bad. That is a recipe for disaster. Finishing the journey. Look, mentor to others. The law of reciprocities. Whatever you give to others will come back tenfold. I really believe that. Give to others and you will get back tenfold. And, folks, with that, I'm very, very uh, thankful for you turning in and listening today. And uh, tell other people about our show. Again, it's chuck at coachcreasy.com if you have comments. Also, go to my website at net And, folks, we will see you next week on America. of winning or losing every day of your life and it has very little to do with a win or a loss definitely doesn't have much to do with trophies these days Uh, those participation deals sure don't teach anything see you next week god bless you
1: opinions stated by various contributors to the ur tennis network and its programming are not to be considered as endorsed by the ur tennis network Participants are encouraged to use their own discernments and draw their own conclusions. All information, products, and services offered by the UR Tennis Network are for personal use only. The UR Tennis Network does not confirm nor deny the validity or accuracy of information contained within the network. Any products or services provided for should be used solely for entertainment purposes. We emphasize the idea of keeping an open mind and not construing the products, services, or data as factual.